imagine if you could operate from your soul versus your mind and that's the thing that drove you. But in the way of that is a bunch of blockages. Tory Prime's Have It All podcast, where you get your fix of personal development without any of that fluff. A podcast dedicated to the unending quest of self-discovery and remembrance. You'll discover new breakthrough thinking and feeling technology that will cause shifts in all areas of your life, your finances, your body, relationships, and most importantly, your mind. You'll uncover your truest self and for probably the first time in your life, feel 100% worthy of having it all. It's time to stop talking and fantasizing about your dream life and start living it. So get ready to have your mind expanded in the best way possible. Now, fair warning, if you implement what you learn here, your life will never, ever be the same. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. So what's going on with Freeland Friedman? Uh, a lot, Basil. <laughs> tell me, tell me about it. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations and happy birthday. Thank you. Elon's youngest daughter just turned five, which is, I'm sure, difficult. If it's difficult for me to believe, very difficult for you to believe. It, it you know what it is? It's just like shocking. And we were Fanny and I were talking about how uh, when Shia was five, it didn't it didn't register the same way. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, well, he's the baby. And I mean, she was the baby and now like, she's clearly not a baby. So, um, but it was funny. I asked her, I was like, so does that mean you want another baby? And uh, we actually had like a pretty serious conversation about it. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know there's probably too much information, but I'm going to get snipped uh, next week. So, Right before I was like, well, you know, just, just so we're like, and we've had the conversation many times before, but I was like, it just came up and, uh, she's like, no, I can't honestly say that I want to, I was like, like, could you imagine yourself like having another baby and doing the whole diapers and like waking up at two in the morning and all that? She's like, no, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Done with it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I started reading that, uh, and I think this is like a great thing to talk about today, but Holy fuck, wow, that five personality. <laughs> I've been telling you for a while. I know. I ha- We have to get that guy on the podcast. Okay. Next level. You know what? It's, it's, it's different. It's like a blueprint. I can't say that it's like next level, and I can't honestly say that it's things that I haven't heard in like other places. Mm-hmm. I just think – the way he explains things is so simple and so easy to understand that so to give you guys like a little bit of context, um, this, this gentleman wrote a book and it's kind of like in the same vein as what uh, you would get if you did like a personality test or something like that. Um, but like, what like I a, love, like a disc assessment or something yeah, like, like a disc yeah. assessment or Myers-Briggs or stuff like that. So if you've ever had one of those done, um, they kind of use this type of formulas. The thing that I really like about him is this whole concept of patterns and the concept that 
these patterns come out. I mean, we talk about this all the time. I just think the way he explains it is really, really simple to grasp, which is patterns come out when your system is in overwhelm. His definition of system and overwhelm is something occurs in your life. Energy is going through your body. Your body goes, this is too much energy for me to handle at this time. And in order to dissipate it, we all have our strategies. And that's what these patterns are. And what I love, love, love that he said is where I think a lot of coaches work with people is to remove the patterns. Mm -hmm. Like this pattern is bad get rid of this, right? And like, I, I would venture to say that, and you guys, I'd love for you guys to chime in here on the comment box also, but like, you know, when you're seeking information, are you seeking from a place of learning about yourself or are you truly, and be, be honest, this is not like a bad or wrong thing, but are you looking for a way to remove something from, from the way that you operate, right? Like, uh, I beat myself up for being worthless or, um, you know, I'm, I'm too hard on myself. And you're just like, if I could just get rid of that, I'd be much better. And, and I'd love to hear from you guys what, what you think. What I love that he says is, is that these patterns, obviously, kind of like in Gene Keys, they talk about the shadow and the gift. So yep. these patterns obviously have massive, massive gifts. And he really drives that home. And then what he's saying is like, you are this, this perfect soul being and these patterns are just distortions of who you actually are. It's not like there's something to get rid of or remove or anything. It's just to notice that when you're in the pattern and so something that's really, you know, it's so much easier to see in others than it is in yourself. And I have these two little beings at home and we started in this world, quote unquote, when we were, I mean, you were 19, I was 21. And I remember being, we were the youngest in these classes for a long time. And I remember we'd be in a room with, you know, 40 years old and 50 year olds. And you're just noticing like how much harder it was for them to be willing to look at certain aspects of their life and be willing to kind of take an honest look at and, and, these habits and whatever. And because we didn't have that much, like we had so much less life history, we had less and less and we still had so much. Right. And now I'm looking at these little beings, five years old and six and a half years old. And man, like through the lens of this book, watching their programs and their patterns, just run them. Like, you know, Shia has a really, his, his thing is all about leaving which is really interesting for me because if you ask me, and I'm sure if I asked you, like, what do you think my pattern is? That would kind of be the one that I would say is, is my default. But as I'm reading more and more, it doesn't seem like, you know, my body doesn't fit that style, my this, like I'm more, I'm more the aggressive based yeah. on like a lot of other factors. I, I, I've determined that our family is mostly aggressive, rigid. It, and, and look, I think at every, at every point in time, whatever stage you're at, we all have, developmental ruptures of every single yeah. one of these developmental patterns. So we all exude to affect some of them. And you're going to have a primary, you're going to have a secondary that you probably exude most. Yeah. But the more I read it, the more I find that I'm uncovering from each and every stage, like different things about myself. Yeah. And so it's just really interesting to like notice. And I know that they mimic us, right? So like he's got aspects of me, he's got aspects of Fanny, Aaliyah too. And so I noticed more, much more recently that, and, and he talks about how by like the time you're five, all of these patterns are pretty 
pretty well set. And so it's really interesting to notice, you know, when he gets frustrated or overwhelmed or something that his method of dealing with it is leaving. He like walks away in a huff. And so I'm reading the book and I saw him walk away in a huff and I eventually got him to come over. And I was like, Hey, let me ask you, because the whole thing is like, we use these patterns over and over and they work. And so they get more and more and more locked in and more and more ingrained because like, oh, this works for me. This works for me. And so knowing all the stuff that we know and knowing that this kid is only six and a half, like he's making choices right now because right energy is streaming through his body. That energy is like I'm overwhelmed. I'm confused. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. And the way to the way he releases the energy right now, the pattern is I'm going to walk away. Yep. And so what's been really interesting, I had him this weekend, like I, I had him notice that that when he when he does that, he walked away. And I asked him flat blank, I was like, is this helping? Like, did did you walking away help the situation? And he's like, no, not really. I was like, all right, well, what could we create? And right, and we started speaking about it. And he actually communicated, well, I got frustrated because of this. And and we had this beautiful conversation. And I was like, wow, thank you. Like, thank you that I'm this open to, to looking at this stuff, but like, thank you that I have the ability to do this kind of work with my kids before they're, you know, in their twenties and thirties and forties. And like, I don't know how much is going to land and I don't know how much is going to impact them. Um, but I just, it's like such a gift and I just, I, I felt so blessed that I could, have this information, be able to share this information, be in a household that's like open to this. It was just awesome. What do you feel like, awesome. What do you feel like you personally learned about yourself? Um, that's the most beneficial. Well, so so the the, the area I'm I'm early on in the book, by the way. I'm like at page like seventy or something. So like I'm I'm just now reading the first uh, full chapter about one of the patterns with the leaving. So I've just been going back and forth and like trying to figure out, um, you know, what what patterns I, I can see in myself and just noticing and playing. And I it's interesting because like based on the definition, I definitely I think aggressive is number one. And while I don't feel rigid in my structure, in fact, I'm like very anti rules and very anti things being this and this and this way. Uh, but like from a behavioral pattern standpoint, that seems to be one that, that, uh, describes me pretty accurately. Like if you asked me before, I would have said leaving is, is my pattern. Um, so that was really interesting. And the thing that I learned today that I read that I honestly, I've never read this in any book and it was just a really kind of like, Whoa, Holy shit moment. I actually had this conversation with the kids was the concept that, when you're young, you're in a familial or, or some, you know, someone's raising you, whether it's your mm -hmm. parents or grandparents or someone and adults, right. Want to raise children that they consider good children. Most, I know I'm generalizing. I'm sure there's people, parents that don't give a shit, but like that creates other stuff. Right. And so the kids are constantly hearing like, don't do this or do that. Or I love it. You know, like I think, Fanny and I are much more in the positive than the negative. So it's like, I love when I watch you share with your sister and I love, you know, when you do this, but it's basically all programming. It's like, this is the definition of good kid. This is the definition yep. of bad kid. Yep. What I had no 
idea and I'd never heard is that the voice, like the inner critic, the, the voice that we talk about all the time, isn't actually, we, we all know it's not your voice. What I didn't know is that when you're a child, the voice is actually mom's voice and dad's voice or whoever your guardians is. Yep. And only over time does the voice get muddled and then that becomes your like core inner critic. But when they're kids, so like my kids right now, they're the good boy, you know, good girl, bad girl, good boy, bad boy voices are us. Yeah. It's not like their own voice. And I was just like, holy shit. Like it never occurred to me that that's what was happening. So I pulled <laughs> Shia aside and I had this conversation and he's like so emotionally in tune. It's just, it's so fast. Every time he just shocks me. Um, just a side note, I took him to, to our parents' house. Our parents, by the way, sold the house. And uh, I took him, I had to pick up last thing and the, the new family's moving in today. So on Friday or Saturday, I took him. And as we were driving, I was like, Shia, this is probably the last time we're gonna be in this house. And so we're walking around, We like the house was like super empty and it was kind of like eerie and depressing. Yeah. And um, I'm picking up something from the garage and, and I'm like, shy, shy, shy. He ended up getting into the car by himself and I get in the car, I'm like, hey bud, are you okay? And he just starts bawling, like uncontrollably bawling. Mm. Um, and I just let him cry and I was asking if there's anything I can do to help or anything like that. And eventually calm down, we just sat in the driveway and I was like, what, you know, what, what made you so upset? And he's like, I'm never going to be in this house again. And he got really emotional and really sad. Like he's just, his awareness is just, it's something else. So anyway, so I asked him about, um, if, if he hears mom and dad's voice, like telling him like, this is good, this is bad, you know, this, whatever. And he goes, I don't hear voices, but I feel it here. Hmm. And the book actually mentions like, you know, for some people it's very auditory for other people. It's more of like a feeling. I imagine children in general are much more embodied than adults are because they, they haven't learned to rely on their conscious mind so much. It was, I mean, like it, the answer so took me back that I was like, whoa. And then we just had this other conversation about like what that means and what those feelings are like. And so, um, yeah, that was just mind blowing so far, just, just to understand. And then like, so you fast forward that, right? And it makes it makes it very easy to comprehend why all of us operate the way we operate. Because take it a step further, right? So like you have all this programming, this equals good, this equals bad, right? And then the critic is like every time you do something that you don't deem good, like your inner critic, like it has rules, like this is good. Then you don't meet that good standard. Then you start beating yourself up. Now take a, a level outside of you. You ever notice that when you're around certain people, like they'll critique others the same way that they critique themselves. Sure. Based off the same parameters that mom and dad programmed for them, this is good, this is bad. So then we're all a bunch of human beings walking out there, judging the fuck out of everyone based on what was programmed in us by the time we were five and being irate, like, you know, you're in a mind's like idiot. Why are you such an idiot, right? Like, like so slow, so idiot, blah, blah, blah. It's the same thing we say to ourselves. I was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's uh, definitely interesting. I definitely agree that though, 
wherever we most harshly critique ourselves is what we'll externalize and critique about others. It's yeah. also fun. It's, I was laughing before when you said about the inner voice being the, the parents. It's, it's funny when you can hear something and when you can't. I, I've probably been saying that on, on coaching calls for about six months straight. <laughs> 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 At least six months I've been saying that um, because it really did occur to me. I'm like, the, you know, the things that create a lot of anxiety and stress in my system that are on repeat. And it's, it's what I notice when I'm around like mom and dad or on a conversation with mom and dad. It's not it's not what's being said in the conversation. There is like a, f a familial from familiar frequency that's there that like generates a certain response in the system that really when I look at it, I don't truly understand. I actually don't have any conscious thought like, oh, yeah, they're doing this right now. Or like that. It's like none of that. But it's like if your harshest critic was programmed by your parents then of course your parents are the most difficult relationship you have in your life. Cause yeah. like there's that, there's that critical, there's that critic in physical space. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, the funny part is like, now I look, you know, I used to kind of grapple with and be like, how is it that I had all this stuff going on? Like I, I look through my memories and I'm like, I don't really remember much trauma. And, and it, it's funny. Cause it's like, it's like always like the mind protects you from certain things. There's certain things that I'm like, uh, I think I'm, you know, the, Humanity has a, a way of normalizing things very quickly. Otherwise, things like Stockholm syndrome, sexual abuse, like all these oh, things awesome. wouldn't wouldn't continue happening. I mean, even you know, for however you feel about like Donald Trump, like the, whether you agree with him or not, he's clearly not the way that every president of the United States has been in the last 40, 50 years. And it's like, yet, like it all gets normalized, you know, very quickly. And and hopefully, you know, we we don't normalize these kind of uh, these things too much. Um, but it, it like occurs to me as like the programming that I have doesn't actually relate to the experience that I had. And then I, it, it, it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter what you consciously saw. It really matters like what you felt, like even your son right now going through whatever he's going through on a daily basis or, uh, around the house, like, what do you actually remember? Because the memories are stories you tell yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, or stories that somebody else tells you. There are definitely certain memories that I believe that I have that I can't tell whether I remember it because I was there or I remember because people told me about it so many times that I've just now imagined it and created it as a holographic experience that I remember. What I do remember though, well, is how it felt. Mm. And, and it's like, and it's like my system responds to that. And there's that old cliche line, right? Like people don't, people don't, um, won't remember what you taught them. They'll remember how they felt or something like that. I don't yeah. quite remember. I'm paraphrasing it, but um, you know, that, that embodiment is so important for the way that we experience life. This also, I think points to something that's really important though, when you're going through developmental work, if you're doing the type of work, that's only about some kind of new understanding, right. Then it, it's, it's just not enough because it is going to have that, that slip effect. It's, you're going to be like, oh, wow, what a great concept. But your mind doesn't hold on to concepts. Like I never have a concept that's like front and center all the, all the time. My mind's this way, that way, this way, that way, that way, this way, this way, right? And, and, and so that, that's the difference now I kind of see transitioning in the spaces. We went from like, a, hey, let's understand this spirituality, at least in the Western world, uh, to let's get into this embodiment. And, and it's that it's embodiment that is just so much more important, which is why I think the rise of plant medicine, shamanic, ancestral traditions, like all this stuff is coming back because that is kind of coming back into the genetic genetic consciousness uh, yeah. of the human race right now. And 
Uh, so I'll just share a few things. Is right, or do you you still have some stuff? Well, you want to I, I just there? wanted to highlight. I wanted to highlight before we jump to to what Renee said here, um, because I, I really think it's poignant and I think it's really smart. So she wrote, "I have a learning addiction, which I feel prevents me from or gets in the way of doing or simply taking action, depending on what it is. Perhaps that indicates a self worth underlying issue of not feeling good enough, prepared enough, or not knowing enough to follow through." But now that I've said that, I realize that I have a block that goes back 29 years that I need to release. So a couple of things, Renee, one, you don't need to do anything. So a lot of the times, right, like need comes from that same place, like I have to get rid of this. There's something wrong with me, right? Like now you're back in that pattern. Um, you can choose, you get to explore what that looks like. You get to explore, uh, reveal, release that blockage and and that's just a choice right you can guys clearly see that there's billions of people that have no awareness of consciousness of any of this conversation and will never do that work they don't even get to do that work right we get to do that work anyone that's listening to this right now whether it's on the live or you're listening to us on the podcast you're listening to this because your soul has called this information in and you get to now choose these things. And I had an amazing conversation with this woman, uh, Marta, earlier today, um, which we were talking about relationships and like blockages around relationships. And it's exactly like you said, you know, you can do all the mind, mental, logic stuff. It, it can make a difference. I'm not saying it can. I mean, obviously, like that's where we started our path. The, the real integration though, the real, when it like that information stops being in the mind and actually goes into your heart, into your body, because that's where you get to release these blockages. Otherwise you become like a spiritual ninja that, you know, your mind can make you feel better because it can spin every situation and every trauma and every memory in some way, shape or form to in the present moment, make you feel better. But the fact of the matter remains that trauma is being triggered in the body and it will continue to be triggered in the body until you release it from the body. And that's the work that I think Guy and I have really, really started to delve into is like, imagine if you could operate from your soul versus your mind and that's the thing that drove you. But in the way of that is a bunch of blockages, a bunch of traumas, and talking about them and understanding them and going like, you know, I could do this, this, and this. That's all great. That's pointing to it. That's not actually healing it. That's like a good Band-Aid. And it's awesome. I'm not taking anything away from that work. We've done it for a decade plus. There's just something so much deeper when the healing comes from within. And, uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant what you wrote there, Renee. I, I, we had a, a guy in the group, in our um, personal development group, the public group, um, say about trying to figure out being. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm trying to understand being. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because that's like such a paradoxical statement. Um, it's like the more you try to understand being, the less you'll have a grasp of what it is. Uh, it's like for being to exist, it's, it's a mindless state, right? So... And this is kind of, I think, what, you know, more and more you guys hear us talking about this is like moving away from the need to understand, moving away from relying solely on the mind. I'm not saying throw it out. 
right? Like you don't want to throw out any part of yourself. If you if you vilify the mind, you're in as much of a trap as when you're trying to figure out what it's doing, right? So it's like trying to overcome this thing that's so present for you every single day. That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, what you you know what what we get to do is learn to rely basically like what Elon's son is doing is like rely on his inner embodiment system, how things feel and really look at the intelligence that's coming through the body versus the intelligence that's just strictly coming in through the mind. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. It's extremely frustrating to try to figure stuff out. Like when you're upset about something and specifically so when you're upset about something, trying to figure out why you're upset, how to undo it, or most likely who you're blaming in the process while you're doing it. Cause the mind is not about like, Oh, I'm upset. Time to take responsibility. <laughs> the mind's like, I'm upset. Someone's got to go down for this bitch. You know, like that, that that's kind of where we're at with it. So, um, and, and obviously varying, you know, that's, I'm saying that, but it's, it's varying experiences, I'm sure, but it's like some, some sense of that. And then there's like the body. And, and really, if you look at the body, I, cause it's interesting for me the last few weeks, I've been dealing with a lot of, just sensation in my body. There's been a lot of what I would have used to say like overwhelm and um, anxiety in the system and stuff like that. And I realized, you know, I'm so focused on what's happening here these days. I don't think that anything's actually changed. It's just always been, and I haven't been paying attention to these parts of myself because it's like every single time it happens, I'm not like, wow, that's a new sensation. It's like, wow, okay, this is the hundred, you know, 153,767 time I felt this experience. Um, so it's like, it, and it's, and it's, it's just like that old line we used to say about the mind. It's like, you stand in sewage long enough, it stops smelling. Anything the mind tells you over and over again, it, it you're, you almost like you can't hear it. Kind of like what Elon just said before, right? Like I've been saying that for a while. He just couldn't hear it for whatever reason. No, make wrong over there. He just, just didn't hear that or didn't hear it that way that it impacted him. Like he read it today and he got it embodied. He like felt it. There was truth to it. It wasn't just like, Oh, that's a clever thing guy said, you know, or something like that. in, in one, in one year out the other. So it's, I'm noticing the same thing about the body. It's like the body, everything's become white noise. All these sensations have become white noise and the mind because it's white noise has a pattern, has a specific strategy for holding that energy down and not letting it move through. It's like, okay, well, when this experience happens, I tell them this and it like barks the same order at me and it just creates the same confusion. But if I go up to the mind to try to unbark that dog, that dog's going to keep on barking. It, and, and there's not much to be done as far uh, as I'm concerned with really going to the mind for <laughs> much of anything anymore. It's, it's great for strategy. It's great for building. I mean, guys, you know, there are logic systems and there are energy systems. Logic does not understand energy. And the world of energy has a lot more information to give than the world of logic. I, 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 think, I think it's why science, which is amazing and has given us so much technology, science is still being sourced by all these patterns of scarcity and the view of it comes from scarcity. We wouldn't have to keep moving technology forward so quickly. I was just reading Gene Keys and then it kind of outlined a really beautiful thing about like why we've sourced the technological revolution. It's, it's more, again, it's more distraction, create more external, change our external world, try to control everything, create more sense of safety. If we would do the inner work, it wouldn't even be important. We would be so activated, so joyous, so peaceful. We wouldn't even strive to look for technology that would produce what it's producing. In fact, we would become the technology. We are the technology. Um, so it's really interesting. And I, and I think that that's always worth highlighting.
Hi there, Satorian. So I just wanted to share something amazing with you really, really quick. If you don't know this already, the word Satori means a moment of sudden enlightenment. Well, Guy and I did a coaching session for a group of incredible people just the other week. And after about 90 minutes were up, these participants were on absolute fire. People emailed us for days sharing their own Satori moments, how they rekindled lost relationships, how clients seemed to appear out of thin air, how they received the largest paid speaking gigs, or healed their body in ways that they've been trying to do for decades, just to name a few. So we thought, hey, you may actually want to create your own Satori moment. So if you go to satoriprime.com forward slash my Satori right now, you can watch that same training we did for free. I mean, it really, truly was one of the best coaching sessions we've ever had, and we're really excited to share it with you. So again, if you go to satoriprime.com forward slash my Satori, you can go experience your own Satori. And I'd love to know what you think once you watch it. Enjoy. So two things came up while you were talking about one, uh, in, in the in the space of this whole technology stuff, you know, again, I, I kind of see it as and, and notice like who who are the Satorians, right? Like notice the people that that follow us, right? Like the things that we're talking about, they've experienced. I feel like sometimes we just give language to things that they think about, but they haven't really been able to verbalize in a way. Mm. So like. I'd venture to say that people that follow us realize that technology is this big, big distraction, right? Like they're not like, woo, technology, you know, like there's definitely aspects that I think we all love and appreciate that have made life really, really great. And they definitely see it as this, like people get lost in there. You know, I, I was, Marissa came over, she was saying that one of her coworkers, I mean, this girl's like, you know, 20 something and a millennial, but she called it, I got into an Insta K hole. And I was like, wow. Like, you know, like lost herself in Instagram basically for like, yeah. God knows how many hours. Um, I think there's something really beautiful about all that because our transformation, our enlightenment, our journey, whatever you want to call it is with all the distractions here. Like you got to really choose in. You know, because if you were to just sit there and like go through life, yeah, I mean, we kind of all know how that's going to go. So I think it just all the more like now to be the light giver and the light bearer and the person that gets to shine up, like you got to put in the work, you know, it's not just like 5,000 years ago when you just sat there in silence and all of a sudden you were connected to source, like that's what's happening today. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, the other thing that as we're talking about this came up is like what I find to be really funny is that, you know, Paul, uh, one of our mentors always used to say, he's like, you're not a, uh, a complete adult until you handle your relationship with MND, mom and dad. And I was just realizing like, you know, we're talking about this voice and the inner critic and all that stuff. And um, at the end of the day, we're all just a bunch of five-year-olds running around still trying to get mom and dad's approval. That's it. Like if you think of like why you do the things you do and what, right? And then we just pass that on to our kids. And if you liked the way that your parents were, you're gonna replicate that. If you didn't like the way your parents were, you're gonna do the exact opposite of that. And it's just like this like ongoing programming that we keep 
perpetuating in the world. Um, and, you know, like one of the things that I kind of like, this is why I would love to interview this guy is I read that book and part of me was like really, really excited by what I was hearing. And the other part is like, I was left in this conundrum of like, well, I don't know what to do with my kids then because it kind of like felt like I was put in this position, like damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situations. Like, you know, they're going to create patterns. Sure. It's clear. The question is like, there's this whole soul part, which he talks about also, which is like, they know what life skills they need on their journey. So if I'm sitting here and I'm like, this would be a great life skill to have, right? Like you, you, you should focus on this. Who am I to say? Like that makes sense for my system. That makes sense for me, not necessarily for Shire or Leah. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of got left with this question. Like, well, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. And and maybe the the rest of the book again. Like I'm seventy pages in, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you haven't you haven't really touched on any of it. Like, <laughs> it's why it's why you think it, it's why you think it's like other books because you haven't read the individual right at all. I'm, I'm just I just started the okay. first first. Got time. it. So yeah, it's like once it gets into the individual patterns, uh, it's like a full on blueprint of how that got created, yeah. how you communicate with that pattern, um, cool. and it's not just a single side of it because what you're talking about is so like for instance uh, for the lever right, and, and for you guys who are like listening. So it's like it's it's people's patterns who when they get overwhelmed and and stressed out it's like they leave you know these people uh, usually they have like frail kind of bodies because what ends up happening is spiritually speaking energetically speaking their energy is actually being pulled out of their body in and leaving the body which means the body gets left under un, uh, underdeveloped or undeveloped altogether because yeah. it was never grounded as like a safe haven for the spirit so uh, in that place right so all of us, we recognize that there's some kind of rupture happening. And then we're going to go try and essentially fix that developmental rupture, but we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So we'll try it one way. It's like work on ourselves, right? Like get get the attention from mom and dad. Okay, that doesn't work. And then that's going to change something. Eventually, we'll do what's like, we'll compensate and we'll take that pattern. It's like you said early on in this uh, conversation. We'll take that thing, we'll transpose it on other people, and we'll try to fix it on them. Yeah, but it really all still comes back to if there's a rupture in here, I'm trying to feel more safe. So there's like there's the both patterns to it that he talks about. Uh, another really great book outside of that one that I found highly educational is um, Eastern Body, Western Mind, which is essentially like going through the different chakra systems and understanding their developmental sequences. And it, and it really is. It's like a it's, you know, the continuation of the conversation of what you're reading right now. Yeah. Um, super, super awesome. So I, I have a few really interesting things to to share also. And I actually talked to uh, grandma this morning to get some information about it. So I, I went and uh, through Marcy had a few really unique experiences on Thursday, uh, one of which included this um, like African mysticism is, is the best way. I, I don't even know if it's African mysticism. It's just how I'm describing it. Uh, it's a lineage of spirituality in Africa. Uh, I believe it's called Ifa, and um, hopefully it's not terrible that I'm sharing this, but it, it's not practiced by a lot of white people, as you can imagine, uh, although the couple that's doing these these retreats and, and doing this has been doing it for 40 years, and, and they are. Um, so I had this reading from this woman, and something she brought up that I have to admit has been 
Certainly not on my radar, and now I'm very happy that it is. It has been at different times, and but it, it never seemed quite as important as after this reading. So it's like we're all at the effect of all sorts of energies, guys. Like you get that right. Like technology, uh, technology puts out all sorts of energy. Humans around you are putting out all sorts of energy. Nature is putting out energy. The star systems are putting out energy, um, and certainly our our ancestry is putting out certain types of energy that you're at the effect of. And even if you're like, I don't really understand that, you know, time is a, is a man-made construct. I hope you guys understand that. It's like time is actually a singularity. It's not a linear process, which means that everything is that all that was is happening right now, meaning all your lineage, right? Like all your ancestors are, are, are living in the now also, essentially. So she had mentioned that... Um, these certain questions that I've had, I don't remember exactly how she said, I have to go back and listen to the recording, but like certain questions that I've had, I'm not finding answers because the lineage is coming from essentially my great grandma, um, who like I made a contract with before I came to this plane to uh, help her with the trauma that she experienced throughout her life, that things mm. that didn't get complete. So it's like, we actually signed those contracts to come here to, to essentially help the ancestry lineage get complete with certain wow. traumas. And I was like, oh, that's really, really interesting. And, and I thought to myself, I know nothing of my family. And when I really thought of it specifically because of uh, our upbringing and, and, and moving away from Israel 30 years ago, it's like we've, you know, for those of you guys listening, we've been really disconnected for our family, family for 30 years. That, that has an effect on you uh, without a doubt in your developmental process because I look now and I think to myself, that's interesting. But I know we also have this conversation like, hey, good, we left, we got to change our mindset. Like we didn't carry that along. So that could be like the gift, right? But the shadow of that is we've turned our back on our lineage. We've yeah. turned our back on our ancestry. And I know certainly when I was down in Hawaii uh, doing plant medicine work, certainly last year too, it, it became, it's become like more and more important, like honor your ancestors. And a lot of um, traditions have this, right? Like Hawaiian tradition, very steeped in... Um, honoring the ancestry and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, wow, that's stupid on my, on my part. Not like stupid that she said that stupid that I, I, I have denied that lineage or mm -hmm. in, in a way denied that lineage. And I was like, okay, you know, I believe in these angels that are around here to help me. I believe in these other energy forces that are here to support me and help me. Right. And it's like, why wouldn't I turn to the thing that's most closely rela related to me and have that same conversation? It's my ancestry. So it's like, I had this like image of like of like the ancestors kind of like standing there with their arms crossed like next to me and they're like yeah what do you want and i'm like look i could really help with this it's like yeah we'll do it for you but you're being kind of a dick huh. you know um and because it, it is right when you deny the ancestry it's a little bit like that and i was like ouch that kind of hurts to, to know that I, I feel like i've done that um so i actually contacted uh our grandma to find out about her great grandma, essentially, because it needs to be my understanding is and, and don't take me my word for it because I could have misheard this is that this lineage comes from your father's side to the grandmother that must have passed before you were born. Like, obviously, you're not signing a contract with a living relative, right? Like you has to be somebody who's like already crossed over. Um, so I didn't know this, by the way, but our lineage comes from the last name Sandler. Did you know that Sandler? Yeah. No. Yeah. So our that's out of the family Sandler. Um, but she saved, she saved our grandma on the uh, Holocaust. This woman, 
Didn't know that. Um, actually lived through both, both world wars. Um, died from cancer in 1960 at around 76 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was interesting. Cause like I spent the morning talking to my grandma, what like, her name? um, so it was Shania, uh, Toybe Sandler. And that's why dad's name is Shaniel in Hebrew because oh, of her. I didn't know that either. I don't even know. If, I don't know if dad knows that. <laughs> to be honest. He does. He does. He must, he must know that. Right. Um, so anyway, it was interesting. And she's the one that married into the Copeland family, by the way. Okay. That's so that's, that's where that whole line starts. Um, and I didn't know that <laughs> to be honest, like not even that. So the reason I asked is cause, um, I had that experience weeks ago with Mandy during that ceremony. And there was a uh, grandma energy there for sure. And I wasn't clear if it was, I was like, maybe it's her, but it didn't quite feel right. And then when I kind of tuned in, I was like, Oh crap. Okay. And, and I started and I started noticing, I'm like, I think there have been lots and lots of signs coming at me. Um, I'll give you another example. I was walking through Seaside Market and I think I mentioned this last week and I went down one of the aisles and at the end of the aisle, they have kind of like the ethnic food stuff, um, you know, like the Japanese and this and that. And they have this little like you've never seen a smaller Jewish section in your entire life. But there's some matzahs there. There's gefilte fish um, and there's like the candles, like the memorial candles. Now, I haven't walked down that aisle in I don't even know how many years, but about a week ago, maybe it was like two or three days before I had this reading, I walked down this aisle and I look at it and I think to myself, gefilte fish, huh? I'm like, cool. I was thinking maybe I want some. I wasn't quite sure. But then like I zoom in on these candles and I think to myself, I, it reminds me of mom. These candles reminds, remind yeah. me of mom because mom always lights those candles for her, her grandma and for Tzvi and whatnot. And I thought to myself, I think I'm supposed to buy one of these. And I started walking. And I swear to you, it's like I got locked in place. I got turned around. And then I just looked at the candles again. Hmm. And I couldn't stop looking at them. And I'm like, I'm so, I, I kept thinking to myself, I just want to buy one. I, just, I don't know why it just felt good, right? Like talk, talk about what feels good in the moment. And I denied buying it, which is ridiculous. Then three days later, I get this reading with this woman. And she's like, you're going to need to get two of these candles. And she basically said, those two candles, like, those are the candles I need. And I was like, the fuck? Wow. Um, and, and even more so, like, last year when we were in Colombia and there was that Holocaust experience that you were a part of. I, I don't know. Like, suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this stuff has been coming through quite a bit. You know, like, haven't been paying attention. Um, so it just gave me, like, a different slice uh, uh, looking at energy. Certainly, like, looking to connect with that energy. So it was interesting to explore it this morning like just connecting with ancestral energy. Yeah. Like what would that feel like? And it's like, what could feel more supportive than the people who you share genetic coding with, hmm. you know? So, and it's not something I've invested my time into. And certainly if you're looking for ruptures and what there is to heal, I think that's a really, really great place to take a look. Um, and it's cool to understand find whatever, like that, you know, like that actually doesn't turn me on quite as much, like understanding about our family, but connecting with the energy and genetic lineage of that, 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 that does turn me on. So I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to explore that a little bit more. And there's just a lot of truth in there for me um, of like something like, here's why it doesn't get healed. Cause you're not looking here. So yeah. yeah. Cool little there's slice. Just, I, I just love in that story. I'm getting an echo by the way. Um, I love in that story about the, how strong the intuitive sign and message was 
and how we deny it. And then it's like, okay, you didn't receive the message this way. Okay. I'll pass on the message here. And it's just like, I, I, you know, my experience of life is that that stuff happens all the time and we're just resistant to it because logically it doesn't make any sense. You're just like there, you're like, I've never done this, never done this aisle. I don't know why I'm infatuated with this. Logic brain checks in and goes, no, this is stupid. Yep. Logic brain was like, who are you going to like that for? Yeah. No, no idea. And, and that's just so common, but that's what's so beautiful about books and stuff like that. Um, and like these kind of readings is that it, it enlightens your mind to look. I truly believe whatever, whatever thoughts you're having, specifically the ones on repeat, which are most of them, because it's like the same hundred thoughts probably they have over and over again. I, it'd be interesting to see, like if anybody has analytics on how many thoughts per day you actually have, but I mean like the same freaking thoughts, like how many oh, times yeah. do you go through the same patterns in your brain over and over again? I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's measured this. It'd be fascinating to see. Cause I imagine we have very few thoughts, less than 50 probably. Oh, just, like on loop. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like me and you can sit here and we can have a discussion and we can talk about things and explore things, but I don't spend my entire day sitting around contemplating and exploring ideas yeah. or, or actually kind of, I do, but anyway, um, you know, in my own way. Um, but like on average, just like the day to day minutia shit that we do to ourselves and how we wake up in the morning and the thoughts that we have and this, throw this away. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Look, my to-do list, my rigidity, my aggressive, da, da, da. like how many could possibly be in there? 50 yeah. total. I mean, and then we're just like looping through those. Yeah. Not many. Not many. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Like one of the, the practices, and I think I've shared this with you guys before, but one of the practices is when I'm meditating, um, I will constantly get like random people's faces show up or names or just the energy of the person or something. And I've really made it a habit to just reach out to those people. Um, and like today I was meditating and uh, Ross from Utah, popped up in my mind and I was like, cool, I get to reach out to him. And lo and behold, like two weeks ago, he had this like incredible thing happen with his, with his wife at the time. And, um, you know, cause I kind of spoke about that with him and it was just like, I got this message, like you get to reach out to Russ. And it was just so beautiful. And like, he shared amazing stuff with me and whatever. I, I just, I find it really, really fascinating um, that, you know, when people talk about like hustle and grind and all that stuff, that's the part that I think you miss when you're in a constant state of hustle and grind. Because hustle and grind is all about do, 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 do. There's no space for inspired thought. There's no space for intuition and all that stuff to come because you literally like just I got to do more, I, you know, a hundred calls. Okay. I'm going to do 200 calls. And it's just like, um, uh, extraordinary mind, right. Vision had that same thing. He was like the top sales rep in this company and using the same list that everyone else made a 10th of the calls of everybody else and did like four times the business. Why? Because he like intuitively felt, and you would get messages like you get to call that person. And his closing rate was like, 10 times higher than anybody else that's ever been in that company because he leaned in and trusted in that. So whether you believe this stuff or not, I don't think that really matters. 
I think it's just worth exploring. Like at least be open to experimenting and, and just playing with it because it's really hard to believe that there's this whole other way to live life that's producing better results with way less effort, way less worry, way less concern, way less stress, all that stuff. It just doesn't make sense because your brain is like, that's impossible because I've watched my parents and they struggled and I've watched their parents and they struggled and my parents, friends and da, 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 like, and then, you, you know, you, everyone has that one role model where maybe, you know, someone like reached success and you look at them and they're like, no, they like did this, 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 this. I remember before we had Marcy, you know, that that was kind of the role models that I had. Like these people just worked their asses off. And then you come into her space and all of a sudden it's like, well, she not I, I don't want to use work in the sense of like she works less than anybody else. But like. She. I don't know how else to explain it. You almost have to like your focus is different than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. It really is so different. And we're like talking about like how we're going to build a business and we need a funnel and we need this and we need that. And like, meanwhile, you have a person who's has a million dollar <laughs> clients and hasn't done any of it. And your brain is like, I do not understand. Yeah, totally. I think, I think the mind is funny to start a sentence called, I think when you're about to talk about the mind and it's limited access, <laughs> I think that my mind has limited access and my limited access mind is thinking about how it has limited access. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, the mind just has limited access and it's cluttered. It's so cluttered with stuff and to, to essentially so is the body. I, I don't think that, <laughs> it's funny, uh, I was thinking of like a cluttered room and I was like, well, what cleans up a cluttered room? What cleans up a cluttered mind? What cleans up a cluttered body? Well, the first thing is you got to acknowledge that there's something there. <laughs> mm. You got to acknowledge that there's something there. I can't clean a carpet if I deny that it's dirty. <laughs> no. I, I also I'm not going to get peace with with that unless I accept it. Meaning, like it's not about overcoming it because I, I I'm starting to have this shift of like it's not about letting go of anything. Mm. I actually think that that letting go process, like I think surrender is different than letting go. Yeah, letting go. Letting go, in essence, can create a bit of a struggle because then you get frustrated. You're like, how come I can't let go of this, right? And it's like, it comes on this process of like actually letting go. Yeah, it's almost like letting go of the shadow, surrenders the gift, right? So like letting go has something to teach you because you're going to notice the struggle. And then there's something in that struggle that allows you to stop the struggle. When you stop the struggle is when surrender happens. But surrender is like it's the acceptance of that it is that it's part of me, it's part of my experience and I'm not going to overcome it and I can't change it. So it's like what it's really asking for is kind of like what we've been saying all along here, even with the son and the ancestry. It's like everything wants your attention. Yeah. And it's not like it wants your attention all the time. It just requires your attention. Like any houseplant would require your attention. A houseplant doesn't need your attention all the time, but once in a while you got to walk over to the houseplant, you got to give it some food, you got to give it some water, you got to give it some sun and you got to give it some love. And every single part of your life needs watering, it needs sun, it needs love, it needs attention, it wants to be talked to, it wants to be listened to. And if you deny these parts of yourself, whatever parts these might be, the results are always the fucking same. Something is dying feels shitty. <laughs> 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 that that's that's pretty much it, you know? And and, and that's why like I, I'm saying for me, there's been this like elevated experience of what I was would have described as overwhelm and stress. And so in effect, it's still having those impacts on me in certain ways. It's just that I'm like, I'm available and open to be listening to my body in a way that's having it be like, okay, well, if it's going to listen, like, 
let's chat, right? So right now, what I get to switch, where I get to reprogram, what I get to refocus on, is that these sensations don't have to be a matter of, of stress-causing agents because it's it's been stressful to feel this way for me. The sensation in my body is not stress. It's the response to the sensation that's stress. What I think about it, oh, God, this shouldn't be here. This feeling is overwhelming me. I'm noticing, like, I think my heart's expanding, and it's uncomfortable. Hmm. Like my, 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 my chest is like, my chest cavity doesn't like know what to do with the expansion. There's like a constant feeling of too much. Like it feels f full over here. Yeah. There's not, I like, and if I describe this to something like my chest feels full, you're not gonna be like, oh, that sounds terrible. It's like, oh, you're, sounds like you're full of love or something like that. Right. But it's like that uncomfortableness, like when you've eaten too much. Yeah. It's like pushing against something and it's creating like an uneasy feeling. And then of course, like, there's all the mental constructs that follow these these sensations. So it's been interesting because week over week, I'm finding how it's like, okay, I get to learn how to be with this. And this white noise is listening, like, you know, talking to me. Um, and then I, I really do think since Columbia is coming up, there's been like an amplification recently. Oh my God, big time. Because like the last two, three weeks, it's just like everything. And you guys can chime in too who are here. Like, I don't know about you, but since the full moon around that time, there's just been a serious amplification and like sensations in my body. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thank you for joining us. Lots of love to you and your family, your ancestry, <laughs> pigeons, your cats, your little monkeys, whatever you got. All the love to everybody, guys. Have a good day. Have an amazing week. Yep. Bye, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation as much as I did. And as always, thank you for your continued loyal support and your listening. A couple of things. If you haven't already done so, make sure you go to Facebook right now and request to join our amazing private group. It's called Personal Development Without the Fluff. It's a quickly growing community with some amazing souls and amazing support. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I can promise you, you will absolutely love that group. That's where we make all of our exclusive content available, as well as trainings that are just for the group accessible to you and your fellow Satorians. So make sure you request access to that group immediately. Also, if you haven't done so already, we've put together an incredible app. You can go to satoriprime.com forward slash app and get immediate access right now to a 10-part mindset reboot training. It is an eye-opening, mind-expanding experience that you do not want to miss. Well, until we meet again, have an amazing day, my friend. I look forward to personally connecting with you and seeing how Satori Prime can help you in achieving your dream life real soon. Have an amazing day.